Welcome to Harvest Time. My name is Chris Harper, and our host on this program is Pastor Gary Walton, the lead pastor of Harvest Baptist Church. We spend these 25 minutes together every week telling you the stories of our church, interviewing our members and other friends of the ministry. We always invite you at the beginning portion, and actually at the end of the program as well, to church services this Sunday morning at Harvest Baptist Church. We have an 8.45 a.m. service and a 10.45 a.m. service. At that 10.45 service, we have Japanese and Korean translation available, and that's also when we have our live stream on hbcguam.org, hbcguam.org. This week, part two of True Community in Galatians 6, 1 and 2. Let's begin today's harvest time by welcoming Pastor Gary Walton. Hi, Pastor. Hey, Chris. Off a day to you. Um, yeah, this Sunday, we're going to come back and finish up just this little two-part series on the theme for our church this year, True Community. We spent some time last week in Hebrews 10, uh, 24 and 25, just that first one another about exhorting one another and the critical responsibility of us being together. If you missed out on that, you can go back on our website and uh, that message is still available. But we're going to uh, move past that this Sunday. We're going to come to a really important um, text for the church, uh, Galatians 6, 1 and 2. Uh, this is part two of true community, but it's talking about uh, burden bearers. In fact, uh, verse 2 says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And the verse before that says, this is so important for us uh, spiritually in our, you know, in our walk and for sure for the church. It says, um, if a man's overtaken in a fault, you who are spiritual, restore that person a spirit of meekness. And we want to try to um, unpack those verses and see what the scriptures say about how do we help a brother or a sister that's been on the spiritual path and for uh, one reason or another has fallen off. That's actually a very vivid picture of what that description is talking about is overtaken in a fault. It's like they're on the path and they've fallen off into the ditch. What do we do? I mean, just leave them there. Um, you know, what should we do as a church? And so we're going to talk through that. It's really helpful, really important for us. And I hope that you'll join us uh, on Sunday for, for either one of those services or come twice, man, hear it twice. Um, get that fellowship that we're going to share together. So we're going to invite you to that. Uh, we're really pleased to have with us Pastor Aaron Scott um, on Harvest Time. First of all, welcome, Aaron. Hey, thanks. Good to be here. Pastor Aaron is back at Harvest uh, for, uh, I think, the second time since uh, you had left, but he was here originally in uh, 2010 to 2014. That's correct. Yeah. As a youth pastor, mm -hmm. and uh, God's uh, allowed him to come back a couple times and doing some speaking uh, for our church. This time, particularly for Spirit Week, and maybe at the end, if we have time, we'll come back and talk about what God's doing. When you and I are talking right now, we're right in the middle of, yes, of the right. things that are going up for Spirit Week. But uh, Pastor Aaron is uh, pastoring a church, planting a church in Twin Falls, Idaho, right? That's correct. Yeah. That's yeah, right in uh, South Central Idaho. Okay. Right between uh, Salt Lake City and uh, Boise, Idaho. Okay. I want to ask you about that too. We'll kind of put that down uh, down the picture a little bit. But um, uh, let's back up to your first, uh, you know, go around the years here. Yeah. Um, it's been cool watching you interact with people, you know, that mm. you know and are, you know, serving together with and just mm. the love and the friendship yeah. that's there. Uh, t tell us about that. Man, uh, 
I think uh, I look back at my time here at, at Harvest as just some of the most fruitful times, some of the most building time in my life that the Lord just kind of uh, grew us in some neat ways. But man, it's so good to see people uh, mm-hmm. ran into several um, parents of kids that were in our youth group. And um, man, it's neat to see how the Lord has mm-hmm. continued to grow his church. Um, he doesn't need me and he doesn't need any of us. He yeah. just grows his church because he loves and cares for his church. So it's neat to reconnect with uh, Pastor Ken Keith. And it's nice to meet you, Pastor Gary. Yeah. I actually had never met you before. Um, but praise the Lord for uh, for the reconnections with, with him, uh, with a lot of uh, lot of the people that we're, uh, we were familiar with when we were here. You came here right out of college, That's right? It. Not married yet. Uh, in fact, why don't, before we forget about this, why don't you introduce your wife and uh, your kids? Yes, that's right. Yeah. So I came out uh, two thousand uh, July of 2010, and I was not married. Uh, single, but we were engaged. Okay. And so Elizabeth had to finish up her, her last semester in college, and so... Um, yeah, so so I moved out here to take over as a youth group uh, youth pastor, and um, and then um, we have three kids. We have Elijah, who is turning seven actually today, and then uh, Nathaniel, who is five, and Gideon, who is three. and And Gideon, his nickname is uh, Godzilla. He, <laughs> he kind of keeps us on our toes. He's our wild card. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the youngest of three boys, three mm-hmm. years old. Yeah, I'm tracking yeah. that whole thing. So you were married six months after you came here. So mm-hmm. uh, you and Elizabeth, and you you decided together to come out here probably, right? Yes, that's right. Yeah, so we, uh, uh, Pastor Heron at the time was the pastor and, and uh, good friends with him and uh, his his son Micah and and, um, and his daughters, uh, Megan and Misty, good friends with Pastor Kevin when he was here. Um, yeah, and, and uh, the Lord uh, had, a, had a connection. I did an internship here and was actually on the camp team. Uh, uh, several years, I think it was 2008. Um, and, um, so in that relationship, Pastor Heron asked me to come out and, and be the youth pastor. And I told him, you know, uh, I've never been a youth pastor before, so you're going to need to help me think through some stuff and, and, uh, I'm glad to do it. Um, and he did, you know, it was, it was really neat and, and we had a blast, uh, and, um, learned a lot of what not to do in ministry <laughs> and then, uh, really enjoyed, had some, some really fruitful times here, um, during our youth pastor time. What is the best thing that you remember, or maybe you and Elizabeth, as you think back, what's the best thing that you remember about being here? Oh my goodness. Besides the food. I, I mean, <laughs> we still dream about the food here on this Island. Yeah. Uh, some of the burgers and, and, uh, you know, I still dream about the red rice and finna Denny and, uh, oh man. They don't have that much in Idaho, huh? Oh no. Uh-uh. <laughs> we got potatoes, uh, <laughs> potatoes in Idaho and, um, but they don't, they do not have a whole lot of red rice, uh, and finna Denny. So some, besides the food, man, the people, I, I think the, the, the best part about Guam and the best part, the best part about harvest is people. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I look back and think through our time and faces uh, in our youth group and um, faces of parents, uh, relationships. I just I just think of the heart of, of Harvest and really the island of Guam is mm-hmm. relationships with people. Right. Um, I think back to relationships with um, the pastors, but really the, a lot of the, the teens that went in our youth group I think back particularly, I just bumped into uh, one of the teens in our, that was in our youth group. He's now a grown man. His name's Richie. 
and like I regularly pray for Ricky ba- uh, Richie back in the states, mm. um, and I uh, those those that's the best part. The things that I remember the most are just faces, and and with those faces, memories, um, some very happy memories and some very sad memories as well. Mm-hmm. I'll maybe ask you about some of those uh, here in a minute. Um, let's back up even back behind that. Tell mm-hmm. me about growing up, uh, background. Tell me about your spiritual story. Yeah, yeah. Um, I grew up in uh, in Denver, Colorado. My dad's a pastor. Um, he's been out here a couple different times to, to preach. And, um, and so actually... Uh, you know, how did I come to know the Lord? How did the Lord save me? Um, I, you know, I grew up hearing the message of the gospel throughout my whole life. Um, but when I was eight years old, I remember my mom sitting me down um, in a Bible study, and it was actually uh, Patch the Pirate uh, Bible Study mm. Patch Club, and she looked across at me as we were working through it and just asked me, Aaron, if you were to die today, where would you go? And you know, I there are a couple different times before that where I like prayed, and I didn't know what I was praying, but right. I just you know, you know prayed something, and um, and it, but for whatever reason this time it really hit home, really hit my heart, and I began to think about it. She didn't press hard on it, you know. I I knew I was a sinner, and uh, I knew that um, I needed Jesus, but I didn't know what it looked like. So I she didn't she didn't pressure me into praying a prayer or anything like that. So I just molded over for the next. For the rest of the day, and I, I remember laying in bed. Everyone, all of us, all the kids had gone to bed. There were four of us kids. My, I could still hear my parents awake in the other room, but I couldn't get mm. the fact that someday I would stand before God, yeah, and I would answer for my life, and I would either go to heaven or hell, and Jesus was the answer. And so I, I just remember sitting and laying there staring up at in my bed and I was on the bottom bunk so I didn't look up at the ceiling I was looking up at the the top <laughs> bunk but I I just remember being very anxious about it getting out of bed and then knocking on my parents door and saying dad I need to be saved and um and so there I knelt by my dad's bed and um I prayed confessing my sin to God and asking Jesus to save me I turned from my sin and and I trusted trusted in Jesus there. So, uh, you know, the Christian life, I, I look back at my life and say the Christian life is um, a sanctification, is um, is an uphill trajectory with valleys in it. Mm-hmm. And I look back and see several times in my life where, man, I struggled with some some ugly sin. And some of it was was hard in high school and, and, and junior high and, and, and through college, just struggling with my own flesh and my own sin. Um, but God is faithful and he, he constantly, um, he gives us his Holy Spirit and his word and his church um, to grow us. And I can look back and see faithful discipleship from, from mentors in my life, uh, my dad, my brothers, other people at college, um, and teaching me that life-on-life discipleship um, is really important, the process of Christian growth. And and I watched it happen over and over and over again in my life. And I think that's, uh, I would say that's the story of my life from from when I was saved until now is people, life-on-life discipleship 
ministry growing in the Lord. It's really cool um, listening to you tell the story about that night. I was just mm-hmm. thinking about it, as you're, and you kind of put yourself in that picture. Um, mm-hmm. And um, when you talk with people that maybe are, are not believers or they're searching, um, and you talk about the conviction of the Holy Spirit, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't really, they don't necessarily know w- what that means. But I was just thinking about that. I mean, in in this. How many nights of your childhood mm. in this one moment, I mean, God was there That's for right. you. I mean, you don't remember hundreds and hundreds of other nights that you laid right. on that same bunk bed or other places right. staring at that same th- you don't remember any of that. Mm-mm. But something happened in that in that time, that night, mm-hmm. where a conversation with your mom and you'd had other conversations about the gospel mm-hmm. before that but in god's timing mm-hmm. his holy spirit took that conversation that's right laid you in your bed and mm-hmm. overwhelmed you and that is exactly what every person who who genuinely becomes a believer there's a period like that it's really cool to think mm-hmm. about yeah it just reminds me that you know it's not me yeah the lord is the one that's pursuing me you know in in my sin and in, in my brokenness he pursued me all the way to my bed right and and um and uh, he's the one that, though I heard it hundreds of times right. as a little kid, it was him. He is the one that turned the lights on. Right. It wasn't just a human response to something you've heard. Something happened that night, and you were so aware of it. And I I mean, I have the same experience personally. I've had the privilege of walking with people. When you see those lights going on, that conviction of the Holy Spirit happening, mm-hmm. um, it's just so clear. It's God who did that. Yeah. He, illumines our hearts, opens our minds to it. It's really cool. Yeah. Uh, Graduated high school, went Mm -hmm. to college, went to Bible college. Yeah, yeah. Went to, so... did a lot of sports in high school. Okay. Uh, so your wrestler, I, yep, what yeah. else? Yeah, soccer. Did a lot of soccer okay. and yeah. did a lot of wrestling uh, all through from elementary up to up to college. Actually, so um, went to college at Northland Baptist Bible College mm-hmm. with, uh, and that's where actually Pastor Heron was a uh, was on administration there for a yeah. while, and um, and then his son Micah played soccer with him, and um, so we just had a heritage of soccer, but. But at Northland, the heritage was discipleship, life on life discipleship. Um, how do how do you um, develop a heart for God? Well, relationships really matter in that development process. And so, yeah, went to went to Northland, studied uh, studied the Bible. I got a degree, a biblical uh, studies degree, a, a bachelor of arts in biblical studies, and a minor in Greek and theology. And then uh, wrestled, started a wrestling team there, and then. Um, did the Lord gave me a, a some pretty pretty good success as far as uh, soccer and wrestling, um, and um, man uh, grew in some good relationships there as well, and that's where Elizabeth and I kind of got to know each other. You know. Came to Guam. Mm-hmm. Um, we've talked about that a little bit. Maybe I didn't ask you this question. Uh, maybe we did a little bit. Lessons, uh, you know, if you look, or you and Elizabeth together, if you look back and say. Man, those first years of our marriage, you know, first years of ministry, any like big lessons that God taught you? Yeah, I, I think the consistent theme was trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lead in your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and and he'll direct your paths. I, I just look back at our time here. I mean, it's not typically do you do you get the advice uh Give the advice. Do I give the advice to a young married couple? Is, hey, the day after you get married, move halfway across the con- the world and yeah. and uh, transplant your plant your life and start your new marriage on the other side of the world where you don't have any family. Mm-hmm. 
that's not for everyone. Uh, but I think it was really good for Elizabeth and I uh, because it forced us to communicate. You can't pick up your phone and call your mama uh, on 15 hours away, you know, right. and she's asleep most of the time or like <laughs> the, on, throughout the day. And and so tr- trusting the Lord and learning to communicate together, but then like really just wrestling through, man, we look through our time here and go, God carried us through on like trials, tests, difficulties, um, joy, happiness, working and, and at harvest is is a busy it's a busy ministry there's always something there's happening something happening every night of the week and uh it'll chew you up and spit you out if you if you're not uh walking with the lord mm-hmm. and so i think the consistent theme for us was trust in the lord trust in the lord and pursue him um with all your heart and so that that, that would if i were to say one tag theme through our time here it was god developed our trust in him through the whole time praise the lord for that and uh, by God's grace, you know, Elizabeth left a lasting imprint, imprint mm-hmm. uh, you know, impact mm-hmm. here that uh, in the lives of, mm-hmm. you mentioned a couple names, um, yeah. but uh, just an influence. So we're thankful for that. Mm-hmm. Praise the Lord. 2014, we're uh, planted, church planted in 2020, 2020. Mm-hmm. Yes. Tell me about those in between years. What was God teaching you then? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we'll talk about your church plant. Yeah. Yeah. So I uh, spent time... Um, yeah, so the Lord moved us. We, we wanted to pursue more education. Um, basically, how I look at it is, you know, if you're if you're going to a doctor and uh, a physician, he's a surgeon, and and he's going to cut on your body and do some surgery. Um, if he's only looked up YouTube videos uh, and <laughs> and said, "I think this is how it works," uh, that's that's great, you know. And so, would you lay down and kind of let me cut on you? And I. I, I just, that's not a good thing. And the Lord can use, uh, use a surgeon who's looked up YouTube videos and stuff. But I, I, I just, if a surgeon has prepared um, and, and gone through the education process and knows what he's doing um, and knows how to use the scalpel and where to cut and, and what's, what's a spleen and, and what's a liver, uh, that's a, that's a, that's it's a important bo- to know. bonus points. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so I, I kind of view the same thing with like preparation and ministry, you know, God, God can use anyone. He can use Peter. Who's just a fisherman. You know, he can use David. Who's just a, a shepherd man, a shepherd, but he also uses people like Paul who his whole life had, had been educated. And if, if, if I look at uh, a physician who spends years and years preparing to know the body, um, and I, as as someone who uh, who's a, a pastor, I want to prepare t- to do work on someone's heart and someone's life, and do it with the word. It's like Second um, Timothy, Paul says, uh, "Study to show yourself approved unto God, a, a workman who needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth." So, like a scalpel, like inci- there's an incision, like that he is. Cu- correctly cutting where God puts the line. And so uh, we kind of realized, hey, if the Lord has us preaching and planting a church and pastoring, we need to prepare our scalpel. We need to go train better in, and get ready for further ministry. And so that's what we did. We moved to Kentucky where I pursued a, a, a master of divinity in the, at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. And, you know, it was tough, it, very tough. It was not easy, but it was it was helpful. Like we learned a lot about the Bible, about um, took Hebrew and Greek again. And um, 
a lot of theology classes and actually learned what what are some of the marks of a healthy church. And um, so while we were there, the Lord gave us opportunities because because of our youth ministry here, substantial youth ministry, our, our church there in Louisville, Kentucky, actually only had like two or three teens when I got there. And it was shocking to me. I remember mm-hmm. going up to the to the pastor and asking, where are your teens? Like, you don't have any teenagers. He said, well, we're a we're church revitalization. We have this missing gap, this missing missing generation of 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 people who we have young people and we have old people, but we don't have parents of teenagers. Yeah. And so, but he said we're going to have them in the next two to three years. Would you start our youth group? And I said at first, uh, uh, let I let me just like recover. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then uh, then a couple of months later we. We said, yeah, let's start the youth group. And so we prayed about it and started the youth group in Louisville, Kentucky at our church. And while going through seminary, just volunteered, started Bible studies and stuff like that. And really it's interesting because that translates very well into church planting. Mm-hmm. Um, then also worked, uh, worked just secular jobs, worked at UPS for a little bit, worked at AT&T for a little bit, and then uh, worked for a nonprofit called Baptist Haiti Mission. Uh, which had been doing work in Haiti um, for like 80 years. Mm. Um, just awesome ministry that uh, it got uh, taken over by another ministry uh, or like, I don't know, acqu- acquired, acquired by, sure. by another ministry called Mission of Hope, and they are doing some awesome work down there. Um, so, what, But they dissolved the U.S. office, so then I moved over to another ministry called Scarlet Hope. Um, and Scarlet Hope is a ministry that exists to show the hope and love of Jesus to women in the adult entertainment industry. Mm. And so I raised support for them, but I also taught in their career development program. And there's some very – it's just interesting to interact with 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 ladies coming out of that. Um, very vulnerable people, and um, it was it – was, uh, the Lord taught me a lot about grace and mercy and and his his unfathomable love to us in that time. Um then uh process of time the Lord uh started putting in our in our in our hearts the desire to go either church plant or do a revitalization and uh and then in 2020 the Lord started moving us toward Idaho. <laughs> I want to ask you about that quick. We've only got a couple minutes yep. left. Um but this was a question I was thinking about. So God brought you in 2020 to mm-hmm. to Twin Falls, yes. Idaho, mm-hmm. ch- uh, planning a church there, the whole yeah. process of that. Mm-hmm. Um, Aaron, what would make um, you and, uh, and Elizabeth and your three young boys um, head out from, you know, wherever? You don't, either of you have family in Idaho? No, no, neither of us have. What, what would send you out there, no family, you know, <laughs> to church plant? Yeah, that's a great question. We were trained to think both when I was r- being raised uh, in my dad's home, but also at, at college, both of us were trained to, to think um, this world is not our home, mm-hmm. you know, and so we're just sojourners here. And so we have this maybe 50 to 80 years of life to invest in eternity. So how are we going to use our lives here on this earth? Do we just want to sit in comfort? Do we want to just sit in uh, and pursue wealth? Do we want to, what are the gifts and talents God has given us to grow his kingdom? Um, so in praying for and praying through, how do we invest our lives in eternity for the kingdom? 
we have been trained to think, go where the gospel isn't. So where are places in the, in the world and where are places in America that the gospel is is just not there? Um, so we started praying about, we have some a couple different criterias f- for where we wanted to do ministry. And one of them was, you know, um, the first one was we wanted to go west. So anything from Colorado and beyond all the way to the coast. Um, mostly because we understand there's a great need for the gospel in the West. Um, and it's beautiful, rugged, love it. Mm-hmm. Um, the second criteria was a place that was a small town that was rapidly growing. And as we did the research and, and prayed through it, uh, Idaho, Utah, and Nevada are the fastest growing states in America. Yeah, it's so been. surprising, but yeah. it's true. Yeah. I yeah. know it is, yeah. I mean, there's like Texas in there and, and a couple different other states, but like Idaho, Utah, and Nevada consistently have been in the, like the top five for like the last 10 years. Yeah, percentage-wise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Percentage-wise. Mm-hmm. Um, the third criteria was a place where there are not a whole lot of healthy churches. And we started doing the research on like where are the most unreached places and unreached people groups in the United States. And there's, a, there's an essay by a guy named J.D. Payne who's a research project called Unreached People, Unreached Places in the United States. Um, and we kind of read through it and realized as we were studying, you know, where places growing, but also um, where are the greatest needs, 15 of the top 25 unreached counties in the United States, that means so 2% or less evangelical. That's the category of unreached people. Two, um, 15 of the top 25 unreached counties in America are in Idaho, Utah, and Nevada. Wow. And so it kind of the Lord used that data to kind of draw our attention to, hey, let, let's look in these states. Um, and we started praying about what particular city in those states. And I'm going to just cut through the chase. I, mean, I asked my wife, where do you want to do ministry? And she said, Twin Falls, Idaho. And I said, what? Why? And she's like, I said, there's a Costco there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or Target, you know, it's something like that. Target, I think maybe it was Target, but uh, that would hit our fourth criteria. Our fourth criteria was a place where we could thrive as a family. You know, and there's like, there's actually a strategy in that. If if Target or Costco or like there's big box stores have put a, a store there, then that means that they understand this re- this this store, this city serves a bigger region and, and they understand that this is going to grow a significant amount. So God moved us there, and uh, and we've been there since 2020. Uh, I think we moved there in May of 2000. Uh, we bought our house June 18th of 2020, right in the middle of COVID. So, mm-hmm. hey, right, let's start a church and gather people when you're not allowed to gather, right? <laughs> <laughs> Don't gather, but we're going to start a church. <laughs> so, well, yeah. I love that, um, just that whole idea of thinking enough about life to say, how can I invest my life in some place where it can impact eternity? That's the mm-hmm. question, right? I only right. have this limited mm-hmm. amount of time yeah. and uh, we're gonna in- give it up somewhere. Mm-hmm. So where could we give it up in a way that, that God could really use us? So thank you yeah. for that example mm-hmm. and the Praise testimony the of it uh, here today. Uh, you're here for um, Spirit Week. Yeah, yep. we really appreciate you preaching in church on Sunday. God used you, um, mm-hmm. you know, just in a powerful way. Used His Word, yes, you know, through true. your voice. Yeah. But really thankful as mm-hmm. a messenger from God mm-hmm. for us for that day. Thank you for that. And God is doing a work in our school too. So mm-hmm. thank you for being willing to come and mm-hmm. serve. Um, thank you for your service, you know, in the past and looking forward to what God's going to do. We want to go with you to pray, you know, Mm. pray that God would pour out his blessings, you know, Ephesians. 
Yeah. And um, ways above that we could ask or think. That's right. You know, there in Twin Falls. So thanks, Aaron, for being with us. I'm grateful. Praise the Lord for what he's doing. And thank you for listening to Harvest Time. Of course, we want to invite you again to services this Sunday at Harvest Baptist Church. We have an 8.45 a.m. service and a 10.45 a.m. service. Of course, we'd love to see you at either. There are Japanese and Korean translation opportunities at that 10.45 a.m. service. And that can also be viewed on live stream, hbcguam.org, hbcguam.org. Thanks again for listening to Harvest Time.